For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show. Thanks for listening. It'll be hard to top Bob Woodward's contributions to the recorded audio medium this week, but we're here to try. Alex, we're 53 days away from Election Day. What are people talking about this week? Well, it'd be hard to downplay this one, but by now everybody, Joe, has heard the soundbite. The question is... What 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 soundbite? Which one's that? The president, in his own words, February 7th, telling Woodward in striking detail just how much he understands about how deadly and dangerous the virus is. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air. That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, It's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. So, Joe, uh, other shows will have given everyone listening to this kind of the knee jerk reaction to to that clip by the time people hear this. But the question I have for you as a campaign manager is, if you're Biden, how do you use this? Jump right on it. And he did. Uh, You know, they got on it right away. I mean, this is uh, really debilitating for a whole bunch of reasons. But one of the things I think they should do now is let it let it play out for a few days. Let let the the social media and the and the president's response. I mean, it's been ridiculous. uh, you know, I didn't you can't act like he didn't say it. It's it's tape. It's him saying it. So um, I think they, they're doing that. The tape matters. It's not an anonymous source. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just want to let this play out. Let it, it you know, if you respond too fast and too hard, a lot of people may not know who you're what, what you're talking about, although this thing is spreading so hard and so fast that uh, by now, by the time people hear this, just about everybody already has heard it. So, Joe, it seems like this kind of undermines one of his strongest arguments about the economy. Yeah, right? well, that, that's what I'm saying here. You have, uh, uh, you know, you have this lie on tape. Um, there's six million positive tests, 200,000 dead. The economy's collapsed. And he knew he knew all this was going to happen. I mean, he knew the danger of this virus and he's admitted it. He used to be able to say, hey, uh, the, I had a great economy. It's the, you know, but I, who knew how the coronavirus was going to knock everything out? Well, he did know. And uh, he could have had he reacted faster and actually um, urged people to, to wear masks and, and did the shutdown um, earlier, understanding the danger. Um you know, maybe we would be having that V recovery he promised, but that's not happening and it's no longer a valid excuse. I mean, this is this really undermines not just for everybody who believes that he's mishandled the coronavirus uh, crisis, 
but also has just pulled out from under him his own argument about why you shouldn't blame him for the economy being in a shambles. So I think that's very, very uh, uh, bad for him. I think the other thing, though, I think that's uh, going on and playing into this that people need to think about is, look, we all saw him call McCain a loser uh, for being a prisoner of war. I like people who don't get captured. Uh, we've seen him denigrate um, uh, soldiers uh, repeatedly. And um, and then you have the story come out in the Atlantic of him calling um, our troops, our military, you know, losers and suckers because they they joined up to serve. Like, what was in it for them? I mean, it's all... But he never said any of that. He never said any of that. Denied it. Never happened. Well, here he is talking privately to Bob Woodward about something completely different. And one more time, we have him saying something that he's now saying he didn't say. Well, we got him on tape. We got the tape, right. The whole thing is just like just another kind of just the the weight of it all um, and the weight of Bob Woodward's uh, the tapes that he's released, let alone the book, because we don't know what else is in there yet. Uh, I'm anxious to see. But... Uh, just the weight of all that actually confirms a lot of things people were concerned about with him. So I think it's a, a real problem because the one thing I can tell you, and Alex, you've seen it with me, and we look at the focus groups and, and polling and things that are out there right now and uh, things we're working in, you, there are a lot of Trump voters who strongly, strongly support him. Uh, but there's a group uh, that are still with him, um, have concerns about him, only somewhat approve of what what they they've got real concerns, angst about their vote. They're they're there, but they're weak Trump voters. And you know, you get to a place here where he he may hold eighty five percent of his base, but uh, if fifteen percent are wavering, this isn't good for him. Um, again, you know, with the six million positive tests out there, assume some of those. 15% that are wavering that were within uh, that group uh, know somebody who's sick uh, and suffered or, or even lost their uh, job. Lost their job. Like yeah, yeah, all that. Um, you know, his approval remains right now in the low 40s. I, this doesn't help Donald Trump. Right. It, it ain't adding anybody that. back. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do that. Well, I mean, do you think then that the more that this COVID story sticks, the worse it becomes for Trump? Oh yeah, I mean, look, the, what well, two things? One, um, the more we do know this, the more people are concerned about the crisis, uh, the better it, it. Those people are voting for for uh, overwhelmingly, you know, double digit lead for Biden among those people, uh, and that group tends to be tends to be, I think, is growing, uh, and this isn't going to help help that. The second part of that is the again going back to the economy. Um, uh, that was the one place where Trump had, uh, basically, you know, a one or two point advantage on Biden. Biden closed it and Trump had avoided a lot of the, uh, on at least the economic front, a lot of the blame. I, I think this exposes him really in a way that, that, that could hurt on the only thing that was keeping him anywhere. The only place he had hope was, you know, was there a V-shaped economy? You know, the jobs numbers really, really uh, ramp up out of this. Uh, instead, you've got 
unemployment benefits ending. Um, it looks like no action um, from McConnell uh, to actually do anything uh, for a lot of the small businesses and the people out there, let alone cities and states uh, that need need money um, to, to, to get us out of this. Uh, it's it could this could really just end up uh, uh, sort of accelerating uh, loss of his weak supporters that we're already seeing. In fact, particularly with older voters where where Biden has actually uh, gone into the lead with them. Well, so one of the things that I think the first re- there were two reactions I saw in line to this. One was the typical, you know, this is this is unbelievable. And then like 20 minutes later, it was, well, nothing else is stuck. Why should this? And I know you kind of already answered this, but is it just the totality of this is and, and how it kind of opens doors on some of this other stuff that stuff that didn't stick before now is? I don't think it's it. it I think it's. Not the totality, but the rapids, the rapid repetition now, uh, the rapid fire that's coming. I mean, we we saw it uh, with suckers and losers out of the Atlantic. We saw it now with the, the Woodward book. Uh, you've got Michael Cohen's book out there with other revelations. I think this is and you have people, uh, former people within the uh, administration. And I think possibly people who are in the, re- the administration who may resign. I mean, there's. Talk about people resigning and and uh, 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 making a strong case against the president. I think it's this rapid fire, and it's not going to stop. I mean, I think that's part of the problem now. This this anchor, the turmoil that he's uh, produced over the last three and a half years is starting one by one, drop by drop, uh, pound by pound, starting to wrap around him and just pull him down like an anchor. And I don't and I don't think that's going to stop. I think it's going to be faster, more of it from more people with uh, that are that that I think will be very credible. You're seeing that's also the case, right? The the Atlantic was anonymous sources. Well, you know, uh, spoken and 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 reporting reporting things the president said in private. Well, now you have again, as I said, you have the president speaking in private um, and it's not to an anonymous source, though. It's to Bob Woodward, who happens to be, you know, a household journalistic name, like him or love, love him or hate him. That's who he is. And it's probably why the president gave him the interviews in the first place. Right. But it's it's a it, that's that is not going to stop. It's going to. Right. The, Somebody in the White House said this was, quote, supposed to be the do over interview. Yeah. And it was like. My question is, I mean, you got to you got to assume, though, this was like the tease for the book, right? Like what else is in there? Well, that no, that's my point that uh, this isn't the last thing we're going to hear out of this book, uh, nor is it the last book uh, or the last uh, sort of known credible name that will come out. Um, You know, people will see. uh, But I just think this is going to be a very it's going to be crushing how fast more things come out between now and november given where the president is uh and how weak some of his support is getting um i think it's going to be a very difficult thing to un to to unravel that weight that's uh that's that's holding him down Joe, we talk polls a lot on this show, but there is one in Florida in particular that really got Twitter kind of panicking. Sound familiar? 
National polls are continuing to show Biden with a lead over Trump. But in one poll of Florida, Trump is actually leading among Hispanic voters in that state, showing a significant shift for that demographic since 2016. So what does this recovery and other signs in GOP support suggest for the Joe Biden campaign? More now on Trump leading Biden by four points among Latinos in the NBC Marist poll of Florida voters. This is something that Democrats should have their hair on fire about. Well, you don't really need to tell us to have our hair on fire about anything. Well, right? I don't have any hair to set on fire, but even <laughs> if I did, I I, 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 I wouldn't do that. Uh, it, it's kind of look. It's here's you, you've got a guy who's up uh, eight, nine, ten points nationally ahead or tied in all the battleground states, ahead of most of them. Uh, but oh, there's a poll that shows like a demographic weakness. One it's in, in one place. Uh, everybody like you know. Jump off the building. Wrong. It's uh, this is Florida, man. I mean, Florida. First of all, the Latino community uh, in Florida is different uh, than most other places. There's a, a, a large uh, Cuban population, that, and those voters tend to be not only more conservative, but also uh, because of policy with Cuban policy, uh, tend to, to vote Republican. Yeah, well, he's up. Arizona, he's up with Latinos in Arizona by five, I think. So that's what I'm saying. So it's it's a but it's a different group. The other thing is like, okay, yeah, Biden's behind with uh, Latinos in uh, in in Florida. The other thing that the poll revealed was that that Biden was way up with older Floridians than than Hillary was. Uh, I mean, was doing much better with them. Uh, against against Trump, so you you know look the the demographics uh, can move around, uh, but here are some things that people need to remember. One, we've got you know DeSantis, the the governor of Florida, is very unpopular. A lot of seniors and people with pre existing conditions are in Florida. Uh, undecideds tend to break towards the challenger against an incumbent, um, and you've got this compounded all compounded during this crisis, right? So you, 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 you look at the splits on people looking at the wrong track, you know, who say that the country's off in the wrong track in Florida too. Um, and, you know, and Biden's in a, a dead heat, heat there. Um, and let me, look, let's talk about it. Why is Florida's battleground state? Because it's always a dead heat in Florida. So I actually think at this point, um, You've got to double down in Florida if you're the Biden campaign. Um, if you win it, first of all, it's a dead heat even in this poll. And if you win it, it's over. Well, and and I mean, you got to believe, especially breaking late, that this many undecideds, even even among Latinos, they, they will break against Trump. You kind of have to assume that, right? Yeah, uh, that's what I think. I mean, I think you've got to look at, at this is a lot different election than 2016. Uh, there's an incumbent president on the ballot. There's an economic and public health crisis going on. You think the country's headed in the wrong direction. You get a choice. Do you want more of that or are you going to vote the other way? Um, that benefited Trump in 2016. Hillary Clinton was by no means an incumbent president running for uh, re-election. But if there was a, quote, incumbent in the race... It was Hillary Clinton. Certainly a lot of Trump voters wanted to change that. 
and uh, and he was, uh, you know, a, 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 an excellent candidate at exploiting that uh, that uh, urge that people had. Now the shoe's on the other foot. He's the incumbent. People think the country's on the wrong track. People are out of work. They have pre-existing conditions. You're a senior and you feel vulnerable and that you feel like the pre- you just learned that the president actually knew about how vulnerable you might be and did nothing about it. In fact, told you, don't worry, it's going to be away, go away in a few days. Um, I think that group is likely to, if you're undecided in the end, it's likely to move to Biden. Unlike 2016, where it was more likely, in my view, that any undecides would either stay home, and several did, or, or vote for Trump. Right. And in Florida, obviously, DeSantis's ratings are like insanely bad, too. So it's not like that's helping. Yeah. No, DeSantis is like you know, his handling of the crisis. You have to like fight, you have to fight with Trump to figure out which one was worse so the, between the two of them. And the two of them combined is pretty devastating to the state. So I think, uh, again, you're in a dead heat. There's a there, it, there's a reason Florida's a battleground state. There's a reason we call these states battlegrounds. Right. But the fact is that it's a place where if you look at where the where Biden is ahead in Michigan, in Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, and he is, uh, uh, you know, maybe four points in Pennsylvania might be seven, but he's ahead. If you look at those places, if you look at Arizona, where it looks like uh, the the president uh, is pulling back there. Um, because Biden's ahead. You look at all these places, if you win Florida, and I mean, you're in a dead heat. The guy has spent a billion dollars knocking the wind out of you and not, and you're still in a dead heat in Florida. Go for it. I mean, go for it. We win Florida. It's over. So one of the big concerns in the primary even was how much of a cash advantage Trump had coming into this race, no matter who came out of the, the primary. But it kind of quickly seeming like that's not really the case anymore. President Trump is denying a report that his campaign funds are dwindling, but also said he would do whatever it takes to secure his reelection effort, even if it means financing his campaign himself. The president's campaign has fundraised over a billion dollars since kicking off in 2017. And of that, they have spent well over 800 million. And so a lot of campaign expenses here uh, that raised eyebrows among campaign aides prior to Brad Parscale, the former campaign managers ousting back in July. So, show $800 million later, more than that now, he's down 12 points, yeah, right? So let's, let's so, dissect this for a second. He's not, his campaign is not out of money, but he'll do $100 million of his own money because they may need to do that. And, for sure. And they spent $800 million seen not a whole lot for it. I mean, literally, literally, this is the, the Brad Parscale. Remember when he did the launch of the deaths, the Trump Death Star? Yeah, that it tweet was in like April. This, was yeah. that April? Yeah. The Trump Death. It's too bad we can't do visuals on this stuff. Yeah, podcasting really is a visual Yeah, show them, show them the, the Death Star tweet. What did the Death Star do? It beamed $800 million of cash into a trash can behind the headquarters and burnt it. On stuff like, by the way, 
I mean, literally just burned up cash behind the headquarters, given what you see out there in terms of how far back they are. And what were they spending on? They were spending on things like the campaign manager had a car and driver. I mean, like, I've been in nine presidential campaigns and never heard of a campaign manager having a car driver. I don't maybe Manafort did. I, I, I probably did. I mean, this may be, you know, how the Trump campaign operates, uh, but I, I've never, never seen never seen that. I mean, in the, in, in, I mean, in, in the campaigns I've been in, I, I was, you know, it was like driving my car to Iowa and then getting in it and driving it to New Hampshire. I mean, that's how I got to a lot of them in the, in, in the early days, uh, early stages of a campaign, but I've never heard of any, you know, but I've never heard of, uh, of anybody, uh, doing a lot of the stuff that these guys, uh, have done. Um, and you know, a lot of them, weren't really there or that that big a player in uh, in 2016. Um, you know, so I think you, know, you think you're you're working for the president. You think you won something, but you you, you weren't Steve Bannon or 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 Manafort or any of the people who are, are uh, really uh, running the operation. Um, and you know, but you're living high on the hog, um, and you mismanaged the, the spending. I mean, they were running ads in. In Washington D.C., they're running thousands of dollars of ads in Washington D.C. so that the president of the United States, watching television, can see himself. Uh, I mean, they're even doing the audience of one thing in, in you know on their sp- on their campaign spending. It's it, that I mean, it's just crazy. So then, when you look at you know, like you said, meanwhile, Biden's raised three hundred sixty-five million. You know, it, why was the eight hundred million? Sp- burning behind headquarters. How do you know that? It was because nothing they were saying with that money has worked. I mean, not the scary law and order ads or any of those things. I mean, you could see them move some voters here, move some there, but like, you know, right, but he's down 10, 12 points. Yeah. Biden's still in the same place after all of it. Um, so you got a couple of problems, you know, my, my uh, good friend, David Doak, who, um, uh, I learned a lot from, he he always said that you know that the worst place you could be in in a campaign is when you fired all your rounds, spent a whole lot of money, and found out it's not working because then it turns into a real problem because it's not working. That means people start giving stop giving you money. In other words, it, it all starts cascading once you get to that place. Once you've you've done that. Um, and it sure looks to me like that's what the Trump campaign has done. That's why you see them. You know, we, you, we talked about this when they pulled out of Michigan for we thought for a little bit. Uh, why? Well, it's because it wasn't working. They've now pulled out of Arizona, it looks like, uh, on television. Again, I think it's just not working at the same time. We're now hearing they're running out of money um, and that Biden is he's raising more money begets money. He's raising more. He's expanding, um, putting staff into places and, and really going hard at these key battleground states. And and Trump is I don't mean that he's pulling, but he's pulling back in key battleground states. If you pull away from Arizona, then it's no wonder that they're starting to look at Minnesota. Right. Because if you're going to pull out of Arizona, where are you going to make that up? You've got to. You've got to go somewhere with that. It's not working in Arizona. Let's go somewhere else. So um, I just think that this is really 
a, a, a problem. I don't think, by the way, if Trump donates $100 million. Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, you'll have to figure out something that I'll have to eat. But I'll eat, I'll eat it, but we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, no way. I mean, it's, it's, that's beyond eating my shoe. Okay, if he gives $100 million, I'll, you know, that, that's beyond eating my shoe. We'll figure it out. But I think the problem they've got now, given that they've spent $800 million raising and spending it, you know, they've done that, uh, and none of it has worked, you have to ask yourself, okay, we magically give them $2 billion more. They have no argument. They have no argument that they've been with that 800 million, with all the focus groups, all the polling, all the message testing, all the stuff that those and the, the data analytics. Remember the the great Cambridge Analytica, you know, all that stuff that they've been spending and going after people with highly targeted messaging. And guess what? None of it's working. Right. It's so, gone. So so now let's give them two billion. What do they, they? You have no argument that works. So that's my point. You've got Biden has is raising money hand over fist, and he's got arguments that are working. And not only that, the president plays straight into them by talking to Bob Woodward and making right. it clear that Biden's right. I wasn't telling you the truth. I did mishandle this whole thing. There are. You, you, this was dangerous, and I let it go. And that's why the economy isn't where all the arguments that Biden's been work, making and that have been working. It was Donald Trump who just put fuel fuel right. on, on, on there and, and now give him some money. So that's what makes me think if they did have another billion um, that maybe they they stop persuade, stop trying to persuade at all. I mean, just forget about it. They. they that where we're likely to see is more pulling off the air in states and putting more money into doing the last, um, the only last thing you can do when you're in their situation, which is find people who didn't vote in 2016 um, and drag them there. I mean, just somehow get them uh, to the to vote in a in a place when they didn't even vote for him in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. Of right. All. Biden's not Hillary Clinton, number one. Two, I still think there are a hell of a lot more people out there who didn't vote in 2016 because they thought Hillary Clinton was going to win by a landslide. They didn't think there was any way Donald Trump, who they thought was in imminent danger, but they didn't think there was any way he could win. And they really didn't have great feelings about Hillary. So, hey, you know, why? I, I got better things to do on Election Day. Well, right. I don't think any of those people feel that way after three and a half years of Donald Trump. And we already know he's weakening with people who did vote for him in 2016. So if he's weakening with people who did, who were on so much, so on fire to vote for him in 2016 and he's losing steam with them, I don't know if he, you know, how do, how do they, they get people who didn't have the steam to vote for him in 2016 to actually have the fire out there to come out, out. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some. I just don't think it's going to work. Well, and if you're looking for like some kind of bullet to either fire people up or break one way or the other, you got to start looking for him at things like a debate. But I don't know if you saw this, but apparently he's not even doing debate prep either. Uh, well, I mean, look, 
God, would that be a horror show? I mean, just a horror show. I mean, I, I've done debate prep for presidential candidates. I mean, uh, all kinds. I mean, all of them, and uh, or a lot of them. Uh, uh, but I mean, all types. The the kind that have literally, um, you don't realize it, but they're recording everything that's being said in debate prep, and then you go out and watch them in the debate, and they're they're firing right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, Howard Dean was 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 good at that. Uh, uh, John Edwards was like that. Dick Gephardt. Um, uh, the, they had that kind of uh, skill and ability. I've also had people, I'm not going to go into it, where, you know, at different levels where you, you could debate, you could prep them 10 or 15 times. It didn't matter. They were still going to go out there and say what they wanted to say. And, and, um, and, and, you know, so we're talking about Donald Trump here. Right. Are yeah. Which of those is like, he? And we know, no, no. And we know he really studies that briefing book, that debate prep briefing book. He, you know, he's got that stuff down cold because he, he's going to read it all. No way. So you, you know, you could prep and prep and prep. And I don't think there's a damn thing you could do to stop what he's, you know, he's going to go out there uh, and do what he's going to do. And, and by the way, those candidates are always easy to bait. I mean, you can send your candidate out there know exactly what to say to make him lash out. I mean, Kamala Harris, I mean, the, the, the debate that would be great to watch would be the Kamala-Trump debate because you can just see how almost anything she says just, just takes him out of his game and he loses it. So that's what I'm trying to say. So I, I, I think it, it's, he's a mark in a debate. Um, and I think uh, the first and the other thing is um, I think people are going to be really surprised about how good Joe Biden is in a debate um, because the expectations are so low. So low. Yeah. And, uh, and he basically has to show up. Yeah. So I I just think, yeah, there, I don't know what good it would do to, to, to it doesn't surprise me at all. Shouldn't surprise any of us that uh, that Donald Trump's not doing debate prep. I, I, well, I'm the sure crazy that'll be part the, is his campaign is actually like feeding into the low expectations for Biden because they're basically saying he's not even going to show up. He's not going to show up. And he probably will. Oh, he's already oh, said he will. Yeah, no, he's going to show up. And I think the the, the problem is, uh, again, I keep saying this. It's like the whole thing that's driving this election is chaos versus community, division versus coming together. It, it is the embodiment of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I'm not sure that it's going to do the president a lot of good to stand podium to podium and 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 put that contrast clearly on display. Uh, and, and so you have to ask yourself, so the president is chaotic through that debate? What's that set up? And Joe Biden's who he is, his decency, his civility. Let, let's put that on display. Or we have tele, teleprompter Trump show up, the guy that talks like this. Yeah, he loves and it. I read today that the coronavirus is going to go away magically in a few weeks. Okay, that's the guy that shows up. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's it's one of the two, right? And so, I think either way, that contrast benefits Joe Biden. Um, 
particularly where the the uh, Trump campaign has set expectations. Joe, the other story that I think in a normal week, probably, and I say this a lot, would have gotten a lot more coverage was Facebook finally did something about disinformation. And of course, it was predictably totally half-assed. They're banning ads, but not in the way we thought. They're banning new political ads only the week before the election. What do you think? I think it's one of the dumber things I have ever heard, even for Facebook. So the way I understand this, you can run ads the week before, and if the ad ran the week before, it gets to run in the last week. So you're going to yeah, have keep it up. Yeah, you get to keep it up. So um, great, you 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 make an ad, the ad that you really want to run in the final week. You program it to you run the ad for to two or three targeted people. So it's it registered in the week before, and then you go crazy with it in the final week. Um, I, you know, it's 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 literally nothing. It's more of a a uh, you know it. They get the 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 PR value of saying they did something when they absolutely didn't do a damn thing. Um, if anything, it probably hurts. Uh, some challengers, uh, some campaigns that may be inexperienced in terms of thinking through how they can get around the, the rule. Um, you know, my experience, though, is that most campaigns are that's what they they're very good at figuring out what the rules are and then exploiting them. And Facebook has created like the most exploitable rule I've ever seen. I mean, uh, too little. Uh, it's not even saying it's too little is crazy. It's like, it's... It's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Was that a listener at question? No, that was that was a me question. I, You know, what I'm a little bit upset with now that I realize it just happened is Alex did not ask a listener question. Alex asked me his own question, which is, you know, <laughs> which is not like what we had all talked about when we set this whole That Trippy Show up. So please, uh, just a reminder, submit the question on iTunes, and I'll make sure next time Alex asks one. Thanks for listening to That Trippy Show. Please uh, tell your friends. Uh, give us a rating. And, I don't, you know, I'm getting really... I thought he was really sharp about us to, to pull that fast one on the, on the question. <laughs> I'll do better next week. See you all next week. Thanks so Thanks, much. Joe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.